The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello, Injured Senior Nation. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are listening to the latest episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. The Injured Senior Podcast, for our new listeners, is a podcast dedicated to discussing medical and legal issues of vital importance to the injured senior nation, their families, loved ones, and caregivers. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center, the legal advocates for seniors and the elderly who are injured due to the negligence of others. If you believe that you or a loved one who is a senior has been harmed by medical negligence, a nursing home, or any other type of personal injury, go to www.InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 877-228-4878 to get help. So, Injured Senior Nation, my ex-wife had breast implants done in the late 1990s. Now, she was a very healthy person. She didn't smoke, she didn't drink, she didn't eat bad foods. Uh, she 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 was healthy. Now, not too far after, she started developing medical issues, including abnormal blood platelets. Now, she was told that she had an autoimmune disorder. She battled health issues until 2017, when she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. She died a year later. Now, we couldn't prove it, but we always suspected that the breast implants played a factor in her ultimate uh, deterioration of her health and of her death. Now, we have with us today, Injured Senior Nation, Maria Gamitro, who is the president and co-founder of the Breast Implant Safety Alliance. She holds a master's degree in instructional education technology from the University of Central Florida and is the director of community outreach and patient advocacy for Track My Solutions, a medical device tracking patient alerting company. Maria experienced illness from newly FDA approved breast implants and regained health upon removal of the implants. After healing, Maria decided to take action by supporting other women suffering from breast implant illness and BIA-ALCL, and that is anaplastic large cell lymphoma, through various support groups. She testified in front of the FDA at the most recent hearing on the safety of breast implants in March of 2019. She lives in Charleston, South Carolina with her husband and two daughters. She hopes to raise public awareness because individuals do need accurate information to make informed decisions. Hello, Maria, how are you today? 
Hi there. I am well. Thank you. That's great. How how are things in uh, Charleston? Getting warmer. Getting warmer. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're recording this podcast uh, in uh, late late April, and uh, yeah, it's starting to heat up here in Baltimore as well. So uh, I think it's we're we're in for a uh, a lot of uh, hot weather in the summer mm-hmm. months. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. So when did you have the breast implants? Uh, put in? So back in 2014, um, I was looking to have breast implants placed. I had um, some asymmetry going on and um, the recommendation was breast implants. My husband and I started, you know, doing our research or or so we thought, selected a, you know, an an excellent plastic surgeon here in Charleston. I actually had several friends use the, the same plastic surgeon and I was selecting very similar um, implants to what they already had. And so it was June of 2014 when I actually had them them placed. And in, in doing the research um, and discussing this with the, the surgeon, he had specifically said, remember all those um, implant issues from the 90s? Well, they fixed all that. And these are the latest and greatest new FDA approved implants. So hearing that, um, I felt pretty confident in the selection we were making. Got it. So you had them done in 2014. Um, do you remember when you began to experience uh, health problems? It was, um, it was about age 39 when I had them placed. Um, within a few months, I started noticing fatigue had set in. Um, and I was having just kind of bizarre symptoms that related to some sort of inflammation, some constipation and um, urinary inflammation. Um at the time, I didn't think that any of it had to do with my breast implants because I wasn't experiencing any pain in that area. I had assumed if there was a problem with my implants, I would, you know, experience some sort of pain. As the months um, grew on, or continued on, I would have additional symptoms, you know, some insomnia, um, some increased anxiety, um, some weight gain. Um, and, and this just continued and I would go to the doctor and they would run tests and basically tell me that things are coming back within normal limits. So we couldn't really figure out what was wrong. Um, prior to having breast implants placed into my body, I did not have any other surgeries. I, you know, was very healthy and active, um, you know, occasional social drinker, uh, was a non-smoker. Um, but after having the implants placed in my body, I wasn't recognizing, you know, how much more often I was going to the doctor. I noticed that I would have cuts that would not um, heal very quickly. And it got to the point, I actually had to stop working because I had so many doctor's appointments and they were recommending some medication for energy. And we just got to the point, my husband and I decided, okay, I was a teacher, let's, um, let's take a break from working and figure out what's going on with your health because all these different specialists weren't able to figure out what was going on. So joint pain um, started. I was seeing a rheumatologist, um, you know, increased headaches. I was seeing a neurologist, uh, just a a lot going on. Did any of the um, medical professionals, did any of the doctors, you know, that suspect the, the breast implants no, not a one. And, and in fact, I always would bring this up. Anytime I saw a new doctor, I would put down that, you know, they when you're filling out paperwork, what surgeries have you had? I, I've had one natural childbirth and I had breast implants placed in my body. Not one ever recommended 
that they, they could be related to my implants until I think until I started to be diagnosed with a positive ANA with the rheumatologist, I, I was kind of going down this path of autoimmune issues and started kind of following different support groups for autoimmune. And at some point, Facebook suggested a page about breast implant illness. And as soon as I read about what it is, it just all clicked for me. Wow, this didn't start until I had these implants placed into my body. This, the, everything that all these other women were experiencing was exactly what I was experiencing. And when I went yeah. to uh, my general practitioner, I, I said, hey, I, I think this could be an issue. And the nurse said, don't, don't believe everything you read on the internet. And I thought, okay, this isn't the internet of the 90s. This is, I mean, I have a degree in educational technology. I can tell what's, a, you know, appropriate information. Um, I thought that was very bizarre. But, you know, as I went and saw more of a functional medicine type doctor, they said, absolutely, you, you could not be reacting well with having these in your body. So when did you finally decide that uh, it was going to be appropriate to uh, to take the implants out? I think after I had tried several protocols from several doctors and I was still very ill is when my husband and I decided that we have tried you know, everything else. I should have looked like a supermodel at how well I was eating, but I looked awful. My, my um, eyes were kind of you know, bloodshot and glazed and... Um, it was like waking up every day with a hangover, but eating really well. Right. <laughs> so right. um, we just took the chance and um, I set up an appointment um, out of state to have my implants properly removed. And um, once they were removed, I felt really great. And it was kind of bizarre to have just had a surgery where you think you wouldn't feel well, but I you know, I mean, yes, I was dealing with, you know, um, the incisions and whatnot. But overall, I just felt different. And um, my husband and I looked at each other and, and thought this, this something going on here. This is this is an injustice. Sorry. You're saying that it was like almost instant that you felt like, oh, my God, uh, uh, I just came out of surgery. The implants were just taken out moments ago and already I'm feeling better. Yes, it was some of the joint pain which was bizarre to me because, you know, the bottom of my feet were hurting and, you know, after I had my implants removed, why is it the bottom of my feet didn't hurt so much anymore? Um some of it was was instantaneous and some it, it's, you know, taken quite a while. I had a lot of hair loss while I had the implants and it, you know, it kind of documented how much I was losing and, you know, as the times passed on, on I don't lose the hair. I don't have the, you know, the skin rashes and, and whatnot. I, right. I did want to mention that before I took the implants out, I did see my original plastic surgeon discuss this with him. And he basically threw his hands up at us and says, the FDA says there's no connection to the implants and these issues. But as my husband and I were diving deeper into the research, we realized that I was experiencing all the same issues that the window, uh, women of the 90s had experienced. So is your personal experience, uh, is that what drove you to uh, co-found the uh, Breast Implant Safety Alliance? Yes. I, as I continue to work with more women and everyone you know, having similar experiences, I just thought I've got to get involved. And beyond just um, in a support group, I felt like we needed to make real change with regulation and legislation and uh, bring about more awareness. So we did that by um, founding Breast Implant Safety Alliance. 
Okay. And I guess the, the, uh, the, the Breast Implant Safety Alliance is an advocacy group, an awareness group? Yes, we are um, women, so, you know, we're women owned and uh, we work with patients and physicians um, to increase awareness and to create change um, in regards to breast implants as well as um, bring about other issues with medical devices. That's great. That really is great. This is uh, Steve Heisler. You're listening to the Injured Senior Podcast, and I am talking to Maria Gamitro, president of the Breast Implant Safety Alliance. Now, Maria, so what types of illnesses are associated with breast implants? Um, a, a lot of patients refer to it as breast implant illness. Um, the FDA is referring, it, referring to this as systemic symptoms. The most common systemic symptoms that they, the FDA has reported is fatigue, brain fog, joint pain, anxiety, hair loss, depression, rash, autoimmune diseases, inflammation, and uh, weight fluctuation, and, and there's more, um, but those are basically the top. There are also several uh, cancers that are linked to breast implants. Uh, the, um, the one right now that we're watching for is BIAALCL, the lymphoma. Right. And w- what is that? Uh, it's, it's, is that a form of leukemia or? Yeah, it's not a, a breast cancer. Um, it is a form of uh, lymphoma. And these symptoms usually occur at least a year out after surgery. Um, it, it can develop, you know, 10 years down the road um, from what they've seen in their research. It's not really entirely um, understood. Some of the common symptoms are redness, breast enlargement, um, lumps in the breast or armpit, um, and some asymmetry, changes in appearance, um, as well as some uh, skin rash, hardening of the breast, uh, fatigue, and uh, weight loss. So it's a cancer of the immune system. The lymphoma, the uh, uh, the, the AL, ALCL, is, is a cancer of the immune system. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, you know, of course, I have a personal interest in this, as I discussed in the beginning of the show. Um, has there been any link of, uh, you know, to uh, lung cancer from uh, the implants? Uh, possibly. There, there are some other cancers. Um, BIALCL is getting the most coverage right now. Um, they say that breast implants are the most studied device, but... Uh, I don't know exactly what they're studying because they don't seem to be studying the the patients that are have issues caused from breast implants. Right. Um, so there are several cancers. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that and, and get back to you. But um, there's nothing at this point that stands out that I could tell you definitively. Got it. The interesting thing is that she started out because she had this done in the late 1990s, but she started out with the autoimmune and she had abnormal blood platelets. Um, and she just had always been a healthy person before. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, soon thereafter from the implants, she started developing all these different, um, you know, problems, health problems that she had never had before. So, and no one ever talked about breast implants. Uh, you know, so I guess that is, uh, that also is probably a big issue is that, you ended up just having to uh, go 
on the internet to talk about your autoimmune problem with a Facebook group, and then just by by chance got uh, directed over to the breast implant. So you hadn't even thought about it. Is that what goes on with most people who have the implants? Absolutely. And in fact, one of the scariest um, parts of all this is the women who have breast cancer and then have reconstruction with breast implants. And at some point, if they are becoming ill, they think it could be related to their chemo or maybe their cancer is coming back. Um, it's really difficult for them to connect the dots to their implants because they've trusted a doctor to, that has said that these are, are safe and um, they are, we believe they're not properly informed um, that the implants can cause illness and that it can also, um, there's a man-made cancer from breast implants. We feel that that is downplayed as the um, data increases about the uh, man-made cancer, the breast implant cancer and the systemic symptoms, breast implant illness. Right. We feel like has, patients need a lot more. Yeah. Has the FDA um, shifted their position on uh, breast implants currently in the twenty in twenty twenty one? Well, after we spoke in twenty nineteen, um, in October of twenty twenty, they released they updated their labeling guidance for breast implants, which includes a black box warning. Um, they have uh, recommended a, a new informed consent checklist, which includes more information about BIA, ALCL, and, uh, and the systemic symptoms, the breast implant uh, illness. So yeah, there's been some changes from the FDA, and, and uh, I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but unfortunately, we can't mandate what the FDA recommends. Um, we wish we could. Um, but that's why several of us are working on legislation, um, you know, across the United States to update informed consent so that patients are aware and plastic surgeons, you know, or anyone doing breast implant surgery will provide a more proper informed consent. And when you say informed consent, that is actually telling uh, the patient what the risks are of getting the implants, correct? Exactly. I think that when I had sat down with my surgeon and we discussed the risks, it was okay that the implant might rupture. Of course, I had the gummy bear implant, so they demonstrate how it, you know, you can cut it in half and it's, you know, still not going to leak. Then you find out, okay, it leaks microscopically. Um, saline implants are actually, you know, housed in a silicone shell, just, you know, we've got silicone implants and then the saline implants are filled with saline, but they still have this silicone shell. Um, so they talk about, you know, rupture happening or capsular contracture, which is, you know, where the breast hardens. So as a patient, those are the things that you were told to watch for. Did, did my breast harden? You know, did the, the, the shape change? Um, that's what you're, you're thinking about. You're not thinking about the autoimmune issues that might come along or these systemic symptoms. So we want to make sure that patients are aware of those they're they seem to be downplayed by plastic surgeons well they they want to move i'm sure they're looking out for the safety of their patients but they also want to move the product if you know what i mean yeah and i think um one of the frustrating pieces to me is it took several years for us to figure out that i wasn't reacting well to this implant these implants and if i had known early on um, when I was starting to experience symptoms that if I could have just removed the implants, maybe less damage would have been done. I wouldn't have spent years, uh, in, you know, 
thousands and thousands of dollars trying all these different protocols and, and trying to get well. Um, it would have been helpful to know, hey, you know what? You are someone that's not reacting well to these and let's take them out. This is Steve Heisler. I'm chatting with Maria Gamitros, who is the co-founder of the Breast Implant Safety Alliance. And you're tuned in to the Injured Senior Podcast. Now, Maria, what breast implant products have been recalled, if any? So in June of 2019, there are there was a particular textured implant that was what was recalled. Textured um, breast implants seem to be the implant that is connected to um, the lymphoma. Mentor, yeah. Cientra, and Allergan all make these textured implants, but the ones that were actually recalled were the Allergan BioCell implants. And what was very difficult for the patients I was working with, it's not very cut and dry um, because these implants actually went by several names over the years. Um, they were at some point they were called McGann. So I would work with these patients and they'd say, oh no, I, mine aren't recalled, I, I had such and such. And um, that's one thing I was able to do with um, our company, uh, Track My Solutions, is that patients could try to put their information in there and you know we could figure out if the, there was, this was actually a recall breast implant. All right, so I guess, and, and you're talking to somebody who is pretty ignorant as far as the different types of uh, manufacturers of the implants. So you're saying that McGann, I guess, if somebody is contemplating getting um, breast implants, or if you know our, our injured senior uh, nation listeners might have had implants back in the '90s or early 2000s or whatever, um, is there any names that, as far as manufacturers, that they need to be uh, aware of so that they might want to take? you know, get the implants taken out, even though it has well, been, you know, maybe a, a long period of time? Excellent question. So the actual recalled breast implants um, were made by Allergan. They, at some point in time, um, the name was, the name of the company was McGann, but there are several different types of breast implants that were um, actually recalled. I wouldn't be able to list because th there are so many. And the problem that we run into um, Allergan has lost track of, of these patients and a lot of patients that have had these implants for a long time in their body, um, they might have been given, you know, implant ID cards uh, at some point in time, they've lost them. We have uh, patients that try to contact their implanting surgeon, they are no longer in practice. So they have no information, they can't remember, you know, which type of implant they've had, you know, placed in their body. And as far as the cancer that's developing, this was happening with a textured implant, regardless of the maker. They just so happen to um, have a voluntary recall with this um, Allergan um, BioCell textured implant. It, it's interesting what is because a Allergan... What is a textured implant? I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just one, I, I have no clue. Is that different than... Oh, yeah. great question. So there are smooth implants. When you, you know, go to touch the silicone, it's, it's very, very smooth. A textured implant, um, not exactly sure of the exact material, but it, it it's almost like a, a, a gentle sandpaper um, kind of feel. And so those are used, I think, from what I understand, they're used typically um, in a lot of mastectomy patients because um, 
the implant doesn't really slide around. So that texture would, would help to hold it in place, if that makes sense. Okay. And those seem to be the dangerous ones, the textured uh, implants. Yeah, those are the ones that, I mean, all implants are causing systemic symptoms, but those are the ones that we find are um, related the most to the BIA-ALCL breast implant cancer. The interesting part about this voluntary recall is that not the manufacturer or the FDA is re- recommending or paying for removal of these um, these breast implants. So if you right now are a woman that knows that you have this allergen biocell textured recalled breast implant in your body, the company does not pay for removal. They will pay for a replacement and they won't just pay for this removal. And they're actually recommending that you wait until symptoms develop before even getting them removed or replaced, which is real bizarre to me because if I had a, a car and the company told me, hey, there are some of these cars where the, the brakes are going to go, would you still want to drive that car? These women do not want to keep these breast implants in their body for when cancer does develop. That is ridiculous. I mean, I cannot believe <laughs> yeah, that these manufacturers are, are being so, uh, you know, I mean, that's just... That, that's that's unheard of i mean you you need they need to come out and i know why right. they're not doing it because you know they just you know they're they're you know they're gonna go down you know they're they're gonna wait as long as it takes you know they're not gonna go down without a fight and you know it's yeah i mean that's a great analogy with cars and right if your car is uh uh you know if if, if the brakes don't work right or you know whatever uh you need to get out of that car <laughs> you need to get rid of that <laughs> right. car yeah and I'm going to bring up another analogy, um, sure. a car analogy in a little bit, but I, I did want to discuss some of the data. Go right ahead. So right before we spoke um, at the FDA hearing, the FDA released about 450,000 adverse event reports that nobody had seen. So breast implants were in the news a good deal in the late 80s and 90s, and anyone searching the FDA website for adverse events from the device would have assumed that the devices were now safer. Um, Part of that was due to a reporting program the FDA allowed um, the device makers to file reports where no one would actually see them. As awareness of the issues grew um, among the breast implant um, support groups on social media, you know, they wondered what was happening to the reports they made about the problems. And, um, And like I said, at the public meeting for breast implant safety, the FDA published those additional almost 450,000 reports that no one had previously seen, which is crazy because how can any of us make an informed decision about our health without having this accurate data? Um, So the FDA then vowed to release those reports publicly. And this was the first that doctors and patients really learned how many reports had been missing from view for, for so long. Um, after the meeting, physicians started reporting more because they saw the possible links between the breast implants um, and lymphoma, as well as the autoimmune issues. And in that meeting, the seriousness of the BIA ALCL, especially with the textured implants, um, was discussed as a brief discussion on using um, biologic mesh to wrap smooth implants if textured implants were no longer uh, available. Um, and then there were, you know, more device issues reported. So patients can now, um, patient problems can now be viewed um, and include issues that may be due to breast implants and not associated with aging, such as memory loss, arthritis, depression, anxiety, autoimmune disorders, and um, neurological 
deficits. And I, I can speak more to, to numbers if you need any of that. Well, we are kind of winding down a little bit. I, I and I'm gonna I'm gonna have you back on so we can talk because uh, there's so much content and there there's so many topics that we can talk about regarding breast implants. You know, I will just comment that I had um, a very very nice guest, uh, Madrice Kennard, on a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about very similar problems uh, with people who have gotten hip and knee implants. I think the bottom line is that your your body uh, is not, you know, very welcoming to you know foreign invaders. So, do you agree with that? That basically, it's the fact that our bodies are just not used to having breast implants uh, and other types of uh, metals and and different types of products. Oh inserted into their body? Absolutely. I mean, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that every body reacts differently. We do not all react the same. And to say that, that, you know, there are no problems with these devices clearly doesn't make sense. Of course, now that we have the data that's supporting that, I would say anytime you go to the doctor, I think the doctor should be asking, do you have any implanted devices in your body? Um, it seems like for many of these devices, there are a lot of very similar symptoms. Qu- quickly, um, Maria, are, are any um, patients taking legal action? There are. Um, however, because it's a class three medical device, the manufacturers are still protected. We've been working on some federal legislation. Um, hope to introduce that again this year, which would be the Medical Device Safety Act. Um, like I said, the, the manufacturers that the stakeholders um, are able to to sue, but not the actual patient that has experienced harm. So we've been working on that. We also are working on um, the Medical Device Guardians Act. And what we'd like with that is for physicians to be mandated to report adverse events, um, you know, symptoms to the FDA, because right now it's just the manufacturers and hospitals and um, uh, a lot of times patients and physicians aren't aware that they can report, but having, you know, this information um, would change the data and we would know more um, so we could make better informed decisions. As a patient, if you're experiencing, uh, you know, an adverse event or symptom from, uh, you know, let's say a medication or a medical device, you can actually self-report into the FDA's MedWatch program. I'm um, not sure if you can put that up on your site, but um, if you just Google FDA MedWatch, um, that will come up. Yeah, we will put that in our show notes. Uh, and Track My Solutions, you are very much involved with Track My Solutions. Um, should listeners go there? Should our injured senior nation listeners go there uh, before getting an implant to check on the type of implant that um, that is being proposed to be inserted into their body or if they've had an implant and they're having problems with their implant I mean, can they get any good information off of track my solutions um that's a great question uh that's where we're hopefully heading as a company we track medical devices we track um, vaccines and, and lab results and um, with track my implants um basically when a patient is in a surgery center um the recall notification process will will be digital. 
um, this, your implant ID cards are now digital and patients can go to um, trackmysolutions.us and, um, you know, use our track my implants solution for free right now. It is actually a bit difficult for patients to enter their own information. So we ask that, you know, you hit the help button or, or email us. We're happy to try to help you because at this stage, you want to be inputting your, it's called a UDI, the unique device identifier, so that we can track it down to the exact um, you know, serial number and lot number and, and whatnot. But in, in this case, patients, um, this is the way the company gets back, but the patients can monitor their own medical devices and be alerted um, instantly if you know, there's a recall called on, you know, on their device. That, that is really, really good information, Marie, and I really thank you for that. Maria, you have been wonderful today. I am so glad that we had you on. Thank you so much for spreading the awareness of breast implant illness. How can our Injured Senior Nation listeners get in touch with you if they wanted to talk to you about uh, the breast implant situation or maybe their own personal situation with implants? Yes, um, we have a website, uh, breastimplantsafetyalliance.org. Um, you can send an email through our website or, or one directly to myself, maria.gamitro, G-M-I-T-R-O, at breastimplantsafetyalliance.org. You can also uh, reach me at the company I'm working with um, at maria.gamitro at trackmysolutions.us. Um, we also, uh, uh, sometimes we refer to ourselves as Visa Nonprofit, um, and we do have a Facebook page. Um, we're also on Instagram and, and LinkedIn. Um, so lots of ways to uh, follow us and get in touch. That is awesome. That's awesome. Thanks again, Maria. We are going to talk to you soon. Thank you. And uh, thank you for helping us spread this awareness. Anytime. Injured Senior Nation, thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to again thank Maria Gamitro for appearing on the show today. She was fantastic. If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes uh, or any of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. If you want to share your particular story about breast implant illness or any other type of uh, medical issue, uh, feel free to email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. I'll be sure to respond and see if uh, it's a good fit to have you on the show. Until next time, my good friends, looking forward to next week's show. Stay well, stay safe, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.